Now let's discuss some of the, um, the the implications of what they're doing with what actually Soar is offering. Aside from these, among these six hundred, I'm sorry, one hundred and sixty food businesses that rely on the conscious uh, supervision of the uh, of Soar, it includes a few that affect us directly or indirectly. Uh, at least should be aware of it. There's a winery, Avner Winery, in Harimon, Givatzev. This winery um, produces wines, and they're, they're under the Tzohar Hashkocha. That's the Avner Winery. In addition to that, there's a vineyard called Kahanov. Kahanov Vineyards is also under the supervision of this uh, organization, um, in the, in addition to that, there are several hotels. So when you're booking the hotel in Israel, uh, it's worth checking and make sure that you're satisfied with the hashgacha for that particular hotel. Always a good idea to check the hotel and check it out with somebody who knows a little more. But allow you getting an idea of the kinds of things that go on it. So I'm going to tell you one more thing, one more story. This is related by all the people who reported uh, on the new wave of people leaving uh, the Rabbanut and going to Tzohar. So I'm not going to go into all of them, but this one in particular, this one story uh, sticks out in my mind, and it's been written up by everybody. It seems that there uh, was a, 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 a uh, it says a, uh, I don't know what it exactly is called, it's a cafe. It's Cafe Kalo in Yerushalayim and in the, in the neighborhood of Baka. And they had their, their hashkocha removed last year uh, by an inspector from the Rabbanut who said that they're not allowed to use an induction stove with a non-Jewish cook. And this is a, an old issue about the Rabbanut not allowing a certain person to work uh, doing uh, cooking unless he was a religious Jew, which is the halacha for the halacha of Bishalakum. Uh, and even if it's a Jewish person, if he's not observant, we do not accept that. There are, some, there are many opinions that hold it's acceptable. I don't know what the Rabbanut does about it, but we definitely consider it to be halakhically acceptable. Any Jew, even if he's not a religious Jew, uh, turns the fire on. But in some cases, he's not Jewish. And we're talking about non-Jewish. And they said, you can't turn it on. And people didn't listen. And they removed the hashkacha. And that's one of the reasons that they went to Tzohar. That means that Tzohar is not makpid on Bishli Yisrael, according to Halacha. And that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. So they're saying it's got to do with the yarmulke. And I'm saying, how could you take this Cafe Kalo, who was dropped because they, they, they were using an induction so with a non-Jewish worker? So there's something, it's going to come out. Not now, because ha- I don't have enough information, but it's going to come out sometime about the standards of Sohar, and it's going to be clear as a bell that this organization does not require the same standards as the Rabbanot Rashit of Eretz Israel. In America, 
uh, I, th- I don't know what you've been told, but many people say that Rabbanut is a, a baseline hashkocha, like below that, just to, just to maintain basic kashras. It's not a, a, a strict standard, because for that they have the, the, the Rabbanut has Mahadrin. And the Badats of the Yedah Haredes, or Rabbi, Rabbi Rubin, or Chovot, or, or some of the other Hashkochas, uh, the Shevis Israel, Shevis in, 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 in B'nai Brak, uh, different organizations that have a higher standard than even the Rabbanut Mahadrin. So, uh, baseline, baseline is Rabbanut plain Magil. And if Tzohar is taking a lower standard, well, that isn't just a question of who's running Kashras, whether it's the, this kippah or that kippah. It's got to do with standards. And that is a big question mark, and we'll see it play out. Unfortunately, we're going to see it play out. I, I wish it would uh, be easier to figure out. Let me just uh, finish off with this thing. On a little bit more about Sohar. This is these are words I'm I'm bringing now from an article dealing with Sohar. After gaining traction among a few dozen kosher restaurants in 2018, Hashkacha Pratit transformed transferred all the business under its supervision to Sohar, an organization led by Orthodox rabbis. And here's what I want you to hear which aims to cultivate a more united, open-minded Jewish society in Israel. What is that open-minded? If you look at the Tzohar's site, you'll probably see a little bit about the open-mindedness that they're suggesting that Israel uh, pursue. That's a little bit of an idea of what's going on in that with the Tzohar trend. Personally, I don't think it's going to become a trend, and I don't think it's going to go much further. I don't even know if it won't be if they won't all go back to the Rabbanut someday. But in Israel, the newspapers, in order to get excitement, are calling it a trend that everybody's leaving the Rabbanut. It's really not happening. It's not happening nationally. Anybody knows that it can't. It can't happen all over, and it really probably won't make a dent in the end in the whole business. We go on now. I'd like to talk to you about what happened in Michigan. <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, Michigan has two y- gentlemen. I'm not going to mention their names, but uh, there are two Jewish inmates who are in a Michigan prison system who have been actively working to get the prisoners in Michigan permission to have meat and dairy. Yes, I said that. Meat and dairy. Not together, but just meat and dairy. Because they instituted in Michigan a, uh, this is a little bit of going across America, but they instituted in Michigan the, uh, a, a diet of only uh, vegetarian diet. And it's very interesting to me. I don't know what the causes of this are, but when we, when we saw the original articles that I wrote about it in, in the when this, the first thing started, it seems that the dollar amount for the vegetarian meal versus the dollar amount for kosher is strange as it sounds. Is zero difference. There's not a penny they save by doing the vegetarian. 
So the reason they're doing vegetarian, basically, is it simplifies their life. Because if they can force every one of the people to eat vegetarian only, they don't have to do multiple distributions, multiple sources, and even though they're spending the same money, but the work is de- definitely incre- decreased. Because there were 28 different uh, religions that they deal with in the prison system. And, Jew- and Orthodox Judaism is the toughest one for them to deal with. And kosher is the toughest one for them to deal with. And, mu- and mu- the, the Muslims also have a demanding situation. But what they're trying to do is unify it and make one food available to all people. So they can't say, I want a special diet, I want a special diet. But that's what they try to do. But people, I mean, if you study the, the, the country as a whole, what percentage of people are eating vegetarian? I don't know. Is it 5%? I doubt it. But even if it is 5%, that only eat vegetarian, will not touch meat or, or, or fish or dairy, Is it 5%? I doubt it. But they want to introduce that everybody in the prison system must eat only a a vegetarian. They go in as far as to say that even if you found something that's meat or dairy, you're not allowed to eat it in their dining room. You're not allowed to eat it together with the vegetarian meal. They're not allowed to bring it into into the dining room. They want to keep that dining room glot vegetarian. And they don't want anything to come in. And so even if you purchased your own, or got somehow your own meat or fish, or, or I mean fish, I don't know if they have fish or not, but meat or dairy, you cannot bring it in there. That's the law. And they, and they said, now what happened is, these people, these, these two gentlemen, made a class action, they got a lawyer, they stood the state of Michigan, and they won. And they were granted the opportunity to have on Shabbos and on Yom Tov to have meat and fish and and, and the dairy and, and Yom Tov and Cholam and Shuvas they had a dairy and, and, and this is what they got. It was granted to them, and I was involved in it indirectly. It came to me. I mean, emailed me. I'm so fact. I mean, so they mailed me. They always mail. Uh, they mailed me a letter and they asked me to help them, give them some sources about dairy foods and what you, what's required and what's normal with the meals, etc. And I, I sent them some material based on, on, on halacha, and they, this was presented in the court, and they got the permission to go ahead. But the state of Michigan decided to appeal, and now they're appealing to try to ban the use of... Uh, the, not to allow the... not to provide for the, for the prisoners the meat and the dairy and the fish that they were asking for. Instead, they want to stick to their, to these, uh, I don't know if they were, how attracted they are to the people, but the, certainly you can imagine it's vegetarian only. So in, it's, it's the suit against the state of Michigan started in 2013. And um, the, the feeling of these uh, people who are, at least one of them is orthodox, I think both of them are, and uh, that their feeling was that the the vegan meal was cross contaminated because it presented in a, a non kosher setting. They didn't have a separate uh, kitchen for it, etc. And um, they felt also that they were they're entitled to, according to Jewish law, they're entitled 
to be to practice their religion, uh, enjoying meat and fish and dairy, etc. If you ask me personally, I don't know if that if it is as required as they said. Anyway, what happened was the the, the state went out again and and uh, challenged them. They appealed to the sixth court and disputing the sincerity of these plaintiffs, these two main plaintiffs, these two gentlemen, they're claiming that they didn't spend every penny that they have in their funds to be able to eat meat and fish and dairy on Shabbos and Yom Tov. In other words, they, did, they saw that they had money in their accounts and they didn't spend it in the commissary to buy meat or fish or dairy that would be um, for the Shabbos or Yom Tov, which they're claiming is required to have and you're supposed to spend your money for and they didn't spend their money. That's what they, they tied it to. They, they claimed in the court. This is amazing this goes on in court, but it's worse than that. You'll see in a second. Kitzah Shulchan is coming up here soon. So they, this, uh, they said, uh, I, could, uh, I shouldn't mention the names, that these two gentlemen claim that Jewish religion requires them to eat kosher meat and dairy on every Sabbath and on four Jewish holidays, yet they failed to purchase any of these items despite them being readily available at the prison commissary, opting instead to buy coffee and popcorn. I don't understand what this commissary is. It doesn't sound like they have uh, hot uh, hot dogs, and they have. Uh, I'm sure whatever they have is beef jerky or <laughs> or something of that nature. I can't imagine that they have anything hot or easily because you know, the foods would rot. I don't understand what it means that you're buying in the commissary. Um, you, you could buy kosher uh, food that they will be satisfied their needs. I don't really understand what that means. But whatever it is, it's, uh, that's their complaint against these two gentlemen. They, uh, while inmates have a right to nutritional meals, they do not have a right to be served specific meals at mealtime. Okay, again, remember that they had a bench trial, and the, and the bench trial was in favor of these, these prisoners, and yet, the state is going and challenging the first trial. Okay. So, uh, th- this is now a quote from Scott Mertens from the Michigan Attorney General's Office, argued before a three-judge panel on behalf of the state. And he, here's a quote. He had started with a quote from Kitzer Shulchan Aruch. He's using the Kitzer Shulchan Aruch this guy is using the Kitzah Shulchan Aruch. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. This is what he did. He's using the Kitzah Shulchan Aruch against the two Orthodox prisoners who are trying to get meat and dairy in their diet. Mertens told the panel adherents, I'm sorry, adherents are required to prepare kosher meals on the Sabbath and holidays to the fullest extent of their means and implied that because they're in prison, the plaintiffs in this case may not be able to practice their beliefs as fully as they would like. In other words, tough luck, you're in jail. So it's not a question of you must have it, it's according to your means. In jail, you don't have means enough, so too bad. The state's attorney emphasized the MDOC 
is only asking Jewish inmates to buy kosher meat and dairy from the prison commissary to supplement the vegan meal that is provided free of charge. Now, it's we giving you this free meal. Now, you have to go ahead and spend a few bucks on your own. It's not a few bucks. I, I don't know what the, they're talking about. I don't know how much money they have in their accounts. I don't know the details. But I know how people in, the, in, in prison are given almost no money at all for the work that they do, have no money. They're always destitute. They're always trying to get people to give them money. That's a terrible thing. How much it costs to have one piece of meat that's sitting around in a commissary, I don't know. But I can't imagine that these people have endless money to be able to spend for it. I really don't. But according to them, they have sufficient money to buy these things, and they're not buying it. U.S. Circuit Judge Chad Riedler, a Donald Trump appointee, questioned the attorney about the MDOC's policy that forbids inmates from eating the meat and dairy with their meals in the mess hall. In other words, you're not even allowing them to bring it in and eat with their meal. They have to sneak in their room and eat this little thing over the garbage pail or whatever it is. Uh, what are they? That's you know. You, it's yes, maybe they can buy it, but it's not very exciting to eat it out of the meal. So, uh, you know, he's he's saying it's not a real realistic answer to say go buy the meals yourself. Anyway, they get lost in about it whether it's a. Uh, a religious issue and then a devotional. I don't know. It's it's a very interesting uh, case that is taking place. Truthfully, I wish that uh, they would get a, uh, a rabbi to come in and explain a little bit more clearly if they would be open to it. But I, I understand what's happening by the state. They, they feel it's a simplicity. They're trying to simplify life. And it's not only the state of Michigan. It is happening now in Arizona as well, where they're trying to make this, uh, this, this meal of just vegetarian. This is, seems to be what's going on, the trend in the United States. Now, I'm going to mention to you something which was very interesting. An unauthorized okay on Z-belts and fizz bottles. Doesn't sound so dramatic. I would think fizz bottles is a kiddie's thing. Z-belts and fizz bottles. They're using an unauthorized okay. And what is it? THC. The candies that they have have THC. Now, I don't know if all of you know what THC is, so I'm going to educate you. THC is the main psychoactive in compound in cannabis, which is marijuana, that produces the high sensation. It can be consumed by smoking cannabis, which is marijuana. It can also be in oils and edibles and tinctures and capsules. And in other words, you can get this high in tea, if you have THC, so you see candy with THC, you should know you're going to get high if you have it. I can hardly pronounce the word, but it's tetrahydrocannabinol. That's the THC. Tetrahydrocannabinol. Anyway, there's two types of things. There's a CBD, which you'll also hear about, and THC. And they're psychoactive components. And it seems that the THC is like more powerful. <laughs> it produces a high. It gives you this euphoria. So that that's what 
Unfortunately, these candies have an okay on it and they're not authorized. New world we live in. Absolutely a new world. I just want to end with one little thing, and, and that is a, a case about Bedside Kosher, which is a new organization in England to provide free kosher meals to Jewish hospital patients. You want to go online and you want to contribute. They're having a campaign um, for, for it. You can just... Uh, it's a, I don't have the information here right in front of me, but if you just go and say bedside kosher, you'll come up with it. I'm sure you'll be able to contribute if you like. It's a wonderful organization, and they are providing, it's over, it's over a million dollars a year they're spending uh, to give free meals to the uh, kosher patients in whatever hospital they are in. Amazing work that is being done by this new organization called Bedside Kosher. Uh, it's it's a shame that they have to do it that way. It's not, it seems not so easy to get these meals the way they are in the states, where there's more Jews and more kosher Jews and Orthodox Jews. It seems easier to get meals in the hospital, uh, most of the hospitals, to get some kosher meals, wh- whereas not necessarily so in England. I don't know the, all the details about it, but I did see it, and I did just wanted to pass it on to you. So that's all the thing. All we have time for tonight. Uh, I wish everyone a wonderful week. And uh, if you want to reach me, the Rabbi Wickler, uh, to discuss what we what, what to put on the show, or any reactions, or if you want to get that, uh, you want to get that uh, tape from last week of Rabbi Gornish, uh, and myself in the in Kashrus areas, uh, you can contact us. My telephone is seven one eight. 336-8544 or 732-534-9363 or Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com and until next week, this is your host Rabbi Yosef Wickler wishing you a wonderful week.